Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. That's when my man Patrick takes jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history and plays those jams for us uh, on top of the charts Tuesday. Uh, great jam right here. Well done. Well done. Like this one. Uh, also, uh, speaking of uh, the crew, Ball Don't Lie, we're going to be out and about on Thursday. That's Just right. a reminder, NFL Draft Day parties, uh, and Patrick also involved in this. Uh, we're going to be starting out Ball Don't Lie. Uh, we're going to be at the link location, the Pluckers link location, but then until 6 o'clock. And then, I believe after that, we are all going to separate and go to our uh, different Pluckers around the cities and have our individual Draft Day parties at the individual Pluckers. I'll be at the South Lamar Pluckers. Hard is going to be at the link location, Pluckers. And I believe, Patrick, you are at West Campus? Yes. Yes, Pat. So, uh, Ball Don't Like Crew will be out and about. We're not the only ones, though, uh, because uh, the crew will be out, too. I believe uh, Zay's going to be out. They're going to have Ty's going to be out. E. Hogan's going to be out. You actually go check out uh, the horns. Wags Twi- is going to be out. Wags, my man Wags is going to be out there. <laughs> uh, just go to uh, the Horn ATX at the Horn ATX in the Twitterverse, um, and there is a, a tweet up there for you giving you the breakdown all the uh, specific spots where everybody will be. Uh, but like I said, Chad said he might go to the research location and hang out with Ty. Yep. He's going to be there, so that might happen. But E. Hogan's going to be at Oak Hill. Um, and Zay's going to be at Lakeline and not the fake Wax. My man Wax will be at the Round Rock location. So yep, yep. that's going to be Thursday. <laughs> you got some time to prepare for it if you want to come hang out with the, uh, the crew of the Horn. All right. Uh, let's go to some uh, NBA playoff discussion here, gentlemen. We'll talk in NFL. We'll talk specifically Texans a little bit on the other side and Rodgers around the day. Also, there's some Cowboys talk that I want to get to, so we'll jump back into the NFL talk uh, and, and obviously previewing the NFL draft coming up in a couple of days. But the NBA playoffs, gentlemen, it is lit. As the young folks would say, it's, it is. I mean, I, I think the playoffs have been pretty good, but this stat actually surprised me. And it's, you know what, I think it's pretty telling, too, actually. And Patrick probably has a lot of uh, in-depth thought about this. So there, the, this is the fourth time in NBA history that, uh, that the NBA, basically, since they started the best of seven in the first round in 03, that only one, <clears throat> one series, basically, is tied 2-2 over the first four games. That's amazing. Right? They're all 3-1. They're all 3-1. That's crazy. Yeah. It is, especially considering we got, like, Milwaukee down as a 1-8, and that's not 2-2. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a good point. Maybe the injuries are a big part of this, too. The injuries are probably some some, some part of it, yeah. That's I, I, that that that's, that stat kind of threw me off. I was like, that can't be true. And turns out, yeah, the only series that's two two Warriors Kings. Yep, and that's the only one that everybody's really paying attention to because, well, you bring a little excitement when you talk about the Lakers the series. Lakers, was inter- yeah. But now, in terms of competitive balance, it's not that interesting anymore because right. it's three one. Right, it's three one. But I was again, John Moran missed a game. 
Yep. And so we could yep. say that could be three one, and we'll see if if uh, if Anthony Davis is healthy or not in the next game after how he looked in this one. He could be injured, and maybe gives Memphis a chance to get back into it. Uh, we can say that Clippers series, yep. if, if Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard is healthy. And, and Paul George is out, that, too. That, and Paul George. And Paul George. It, yep. it, well, Paul George did. It's a very different series. Oh, but yeah, if Kawhi's yeah. there, Mavis. then you can yep. say, all right, maybe this is 2-2 in that series as well. Yep. Yeah, that's it. It's, and I, and I, I won't know if this is good or bad for the NBA, but, uh, yeah, it's just kind of crazy uh, that you know all those series ended up 3-1 and you do have the only one tied 2-2 is that uh, Warriors and Kings series, which we know another injury in there was announced yesterday. Yep. Darren Fox has an injury to the tip of his index finger, I believe. On his uh, shooting hand, too. Ooh. And that's the other part of it, too. Did you see the way it happened, too? It was on a play that didn't even matter. He was going to the basket. There was a foul that was called prior to that, and he was just going through the motion, and he throws the ball up, and then he gets hit on the top of his finger by Looney just swiping at it because there was a foul call prior to it. Was that in the fourth? What, what, and after what, he threw it up in the air, you see him start shaking his finger. What quarter was that? I think it was late in the in the third or fourth quarter. Okay. Yeah, and it was just like, come on. And it, and it was a play that wasn't even a play. The whistle had blown. Mm. You know how everybody tries to throw up a shot. And yeah, blow yeah. He was going to the basket just acting Get like that. And everybody always, they don't want you to make it. Yeah, that's true. They so always, <laughs> they always try to knock it out of there. That is true. And they accidentally hit him on the hand, and then he shakes his hand. Then you find out that the tip of his finger is busted up. No, that's a great point because I've seen guys like when they call a foul or a stoppage in play, and they'll shoot like a three. Yeah, and, I've and seen somebody guys comes out and yeah, yeah. They're like, no, nah, I don't want you <laughs> feeling <laughs> that. I don't want you feeling that. I'm like, what? Nope, nope, nope. It is psychological. It like, is. Nah, you get nothing you around get free, baby. Nothing. Nothing for free. <laughs> uh, all right, let's start off talking about uh, Jimmy Butler and his performance, and then we'll end with the LeBron James and Lakers with their big win because I don't think we gave Jimmy enough time. Uh, last time we talked about the NBA, but Jimmy Butler, guys, an unbelievable game, 56 points. 56. 56 yeah. points Jimmy Butler goes off for, ends up with a 20-plus point, uh, point first quarter. I think it was 22 in the first quarter, ends up with 21 yep. in the fourth quarter. Started off hot like gangbusters, ended even hotter uh, in the fourth quarter. If Jimmy Butler keeps playing like that, uh, man, he, even Giannis, in Giannis' was his first game back, hell, he came back with with uh, a ferocious thunder, if you will. He had a uh, triple-double, and that wasn't enough, though to overcome uh, what Jimmy Butler was able to contribute. They were down at one point. The Miami Heat were down 15 points. They end up coming back uh, to get the win on top of that Jimmy Butler 56-point performance. And Jimmy just goes out there and plays his butt off. I mean, you go out there and you watch the way he goes and gets everybody involved. And then, like you said, once he gets going, it's a wrap because of the way that he plays. I believe that he played – 40, he played 40 minutes in last night's game. In the third quarter, he played 12 minutes of the third quarter. I mean, all of them. He got out there and was doing his thing. And then 19 of 28 total <laughs> shot 67% from the field. That's so impressive. And some people was like, oh, man, that, he just must have got lucky. He was hot that game. He's shooting 64% <laughs> for the series. For the series. For the That's series. exactly right. Averaging damn near 37 points per game and shooting damn near 53% from three-point range. Yeah. Uh, man, it, playoff Jimmy is playing like a man possessed he at is. this time. He is. And, Patrick, you were talking about it, too. Bam Adebayo finally came in and did a little bit of work. Yeah. If he can be a, a part of that. They still almost lost with his, with his 52 points. 
Yeah, no, they I mean. still almost, I mean, 56 points. They still almost lost. Yeah, I mean, because, again, you're playing the Milwaukee Bucks, who are a very, very good team, and Giannis did not look like he was 100%. Right. But some of that is Bam playing really good defense and being able to go in there. You can tell Milwaukee's got the height advantage, but mm. speed-wise, Jimmy is just being able to find the holes where they're not quick enough to yep. go out and get a get a hand on his face, get a hand in his face, and go stop him. So, if you're able to shoot at a above sixty percent in a playoff series, as Jimmy Butler is doing, it's just really hard to stop them. And it's going to be that question going into games, seeing how well he's playing. As you go into the next game, do you rely more on Jimmy? Do you have him more take more of the share of the shots, or do you say, "Hey, man, we need Duncan Robinson to hit a few big ones. We need we need to get some other guys to step up and hit some big shots for us because Jimmy can do it." But we, you can't expect him to put up eighty. No, but right now, let Jimmy take the wheel. Like my mama say, let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> let Jimmy take the wheel. Let him have it, man, because he is rolling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Giannis has been hurt, but the Milwaukee Bucks have like the best defense in the league. Like it's one of the better defenses in the league, and he is just lighting them up. And Miami, I love this stat. Ferocious. Man. They were 25th in offense in the regular season. With playoff Jimmy playing like this, they're first in offense in the playoffs because yep, yep. of playoff Jimmy. Yep. Without Tyler Hero. Unbelievable. Without Tyler Hero. Until your Crazy, point, Brooke man. Lopez was up for defensive player of the year. Hey, point. He was up for <laughs> defensive player of the year, and they are getting worked in this series. And and again, Jimmy's getting into the paint. They're yes. being able to attack the rim. <laughs> it is it is it is crazy when you watch that. And last night, don't forget, they were down. They were down by fifteen at one point. They were down, and they just took over. What was it, thirty to eight in the fourth quarter or something like that? Jimmy just went berserk. Did he tweet out a photo of some deer before the series? Was that didn't you, that, brother? That sounds. I believe about he put right. out like a that photo on social right. media of like two deer, like looking like they're about to get shot. This sounds hunted. like sounds he, about right. So it wasn't. It, he didn't said in it no caption or anything. I think he just put up the pictures of two deer, uh, like he was going hunting. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> it showed. It showed you look like it. Look yep. like Jimmy been hunting, man, because uh, that was an unbelievable performance. But I, I love Jimmy Butler. I'm not gonna lie. I know Jimmy Butler has a reputation for being a bit of an abrasive a hole. And just a you know a disgruntled you trying know, to fight everybody on mofo, every team that he was on, including his own. And that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah, all of those players. Yeah, and so, I know people. He's got a reputation. I'm not saying, by the way, he was justified in his actions. He acted very immature a lot of the time in his career with D Rose. You're talking about Ben Simmons, Cat. He's uh-huh. been he's been Andrew Wiggins. Yep. I mean, he's gotten into it with a lot of guys. He, he even Wiggins he, end he, up leaving. That's true. <laughs> Wiggins ended up leaving. Honestly, but was he? You got this. He got into an Eric Spoelstra too. He did. Remember they were gonna fight. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They were gonna fight too. Udonis was like, man, you need to chill. You don't want to fight Udonis. He's the OG. But when Jimmy's got a when he's got a chip on his yep, shoulder, yep, he's got something thing. to prove. Oh man. Yeah, he I goes. think that players poll that came out and called him overrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that conversation yeah. that right. went around, I think that may have sparked him a little bit too. That athletic survey we read the other yeah. week, you did say that Jimmy Butler was one of them over. It's like, yeah, why? It was like Trey Young. He was up there with yeah. Trey yeah. Young and other yeah. guys. Yeah. You're right, Jimmy ain't overrated. So, Lucas says, y'all love Seinfeld. Episode where Jimmy talks in third person. Jimmy plays good basketball. Oh, yeah. Where he has his shoes. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> George is a chucker. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a great episode. I'm sure Jimmy Butler loves that episode. I'm sure he I'm does. Sure he, and you know, they should play. They should play drops from that in this like, in the in arena. The, yeah. Like Jimmy, every bucket Jimmy, that he yeah. makes, 
Here Every comes Jimmy. Morning, here comes Jimmy. Here Jimmy. Jimmy plays good ball. <laughs> Jimmy's feeling it. <laughs> Love oh, it. That's great. All Love right. It. Let's talk about LeBron, gentlemen, because uh, if anybody was feeling it as much as Jimmy was this past weekend, it was Bron. And that was this was one for the ages, gentlemen. This yep. was one yep. for the ages for LeBron. This is actually a, this was a legacy series for him. And I'll give Dylan Brooks some credit because I don't know if it was going to be considered a legacy series for him if Dylan Brooks didn't turn into a, a de facto villain by absurdly talking trash and turning his postseason, sorry, his post-game interviews into a kind of a WWE promo. But he did uh, call LeBron James old. And since he called LeBron James old, let's just say he is, uh, he's had some tough times. He's only scored 18 points since then. 7 of 23, 2 of 13 or 3-point range. His team is 0 for 2 since then. And how about this little stat? He is now shooting the lowest percentage of any player in the NBA. <laughs> right, like he's he just had a really bad series after that. He did say he wouldn't spoke speak to the media, which I thought was a bit of a cop out. If you're gonna be a villain, embrace the villainy. Don't break character. He should have went there after LeBron James lit him up. LeBron James had uh, what twenty points, so twenty two points, twenty rebounds, seven assists, two block shots, only one turnover, uh, was plus eight in those forty five minutes, and hit the game tying shot to send it to overtime, and then hit the game winning shot to win it for his team. Uh, after all that, basically, Dylan decided he did not want to speak to the media after game four. And I thought he should have said something. Hey, man, be self-deprecating. Talk bad on yourself. Say, you know what? I told you he wasn't going to get 40. And then no. keep it moving. And then everybody be like, ha, that guy's a gracious of humor. We told, he was joking the whole time. No big deal. Now, it just makes him seem uh, kind of cowardice. Oh, don't run from it. He got my man what out there it? experimenting in the fountain of youth. He didn't got mm-hmm. he didn't got him fired up to where he's going out there to put work on him. So mm. that to me is uh that tells you everything that you need to know. Dylan Brooks has now become one of the biggest villains and he said, "Man, it's crazy that these fans keep putting me in this situation trying to build me as this villain. That's not who I'm trying to be." I'm like, "Dude, you created this. Yeah. You walk into the arena with no shirt on, the big glasses <laughs> braided up, talking the trash." Are clean though. Them blades are the pretty tight. Clean. <laughs> them, my wife was like, his braids are nice. Did you see? Like, did you clean. see Josh Hart's? He yeah, had the New York in the yeah, middle of it. Yeah, that, that boys, was that was some good. Yeah, they, hey, they got some good braiders. I mean, you got to have two women, two women, yeah. two ladies braiding your stuff at the same time. All you got to do is ask Lou Williams. Two chicks at the same time, Lou man. Williams, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, no doubt. But yeah, Dylan Brooks right now among players this postseason with at least 40 field goal attempts. He's last in points, second to last in field goal percentage, tied for last in rebounds, third to last in assists, second to last in steals, and tied for last in blocks, win share and tied for the most ejections. Not a good series. Not no, do you think they went back to the locker room too and the rest of the team's like, no, go ahead, go piss him off some more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's not like he's hitting game winners on us or anything. <laughs> Seriously. Come on. You really, yeah, that, I mean, this kind of goes to the, we talked, Hard, you brought it up, you said you want LeBron to go for 40. I did. But you said he's not going to do that. He's just going to go and do do what he thinks is best for the team. That's right. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly Ended what he did. Ended with a 22 points and 20 rebounds. Hey, so he went 20. 2020, so that equals 40. So you got to give it to him one way <laughs> I, or another. And when it came down to I got to hit this, yes. he went right at Dylan Brooks. He sure did. Yeah, that was that was ironic. Yeah. <laughs> and Dylan Brooks looked like he had no answer. Yeah, he, he did, did not. not. 
He did, he did not. not. Yeah, that you know what? That goes to LeBron, the clutch gene that LeBron has. And I know I, I know this is not a talking point for LeBron haters anymore. It shouldn't be. I mean, some people may bring it up. Uh, but LeBron is as clutch as any player we've seen in NBA history. Now, we can now start, we can go to the other extreme on that narrative now. People used to say, oh man, he, is, he doesn't have the clutch gene at all. I think now the stats would prove yep. he actually may be one of the most clutch players ever. LeBron James now has seven game-winning or game-tying shots in the final second of playoff games. No one else in the last 26 years, as far back as Stathead database goes, has more than two. Yup. Yeah, he's he's seven and twelve. He is that dude, man. Yeah, he's seven of twelve, fifty-eight percent in career in his career on game-tying slash game-winning field goal attempts in the final second of a playoff game. For context, Kobe, Steph, KD, Kawhi, James Harden. Westbrook, Dirk, Wade, Duncan, shout out, happy B-Day, Jokic, T-Mac, Nash, any other legend MVP you can think of, uh, they're all 6 of 50, which is 12%. 6 of 50. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Nick Wright for those stats, great stats there, too. Gotta Uh, love him. He's uh, he's clutch. Yeah, he's letting you know that whatever it is you talking about me, don't worry about me because I'm going to get me. Man, if you're the you Lakers, know? you got to try to replicate this. You got to find some way to get the opposing team to talk trash on LeBron every series. Yep. Don't you have to try to do this? Michael Jordan was self motivating himself because people weren't talking to him in a restaurant that didn't see him. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, whatever that inner monster is in you and whatever helps you get to that place, get there because this right here. It ain't going to put you past Mike because people already are in their mind. But when you watch it and you see him, I was tripping off of the fact that he did a reverse dunk in the middle of the lane like it was nothing. He's 38 years old. He's been in the league for 20 years, and he's playing like he can play for four more years. Oh, he definitely can play. Unless there's a catastrophic injury. Yes, yes, he's out there doing that and making it look effortless. He will play against or with Bronny. We just don't know. I think he's going to try to stay in the league until that time, and then you might start thinking about winding it down Yeah, whenever Bronny gets there. But you're right, 38. I mean, we haven't seen any athletes age. You know, it, Brady's in that conversation, but very few of them have aged this gracefully. Yep. Um, and I, it's, it's championship or bust for him, though, unfortunately. Like I this, agree. This does not satisfy the LeBron James haters, and it won't bring him more – credibility in the legacy discussion about being the GOAT uh, against against MJ, he's got to go win titles. Yep. So I, this is great for us to discuss, but if he doesn't win titles, then, then all it's all for, for not. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, but Memphis, uh, they're 0 of 17 now. How about this? 0 of 17 straight up and 2 of 15 against the spread as road underdogs. Weird number. Uh, 24 straight loss. And that's this year, by the way. That's this yep. year. Well, they, got, they got 24 straight road losses as a road underdog. Mm. Yeah. Crazy to think about that. So, uh, by the way, this year, I mean, that's always the case in the playoffs, uh, right? The playoffs, they always say a series doesn't start to you steal one game on the road. Yep. Even more so this year because some of the good teams are terrible on the road. Yeah. The Golden State's bad on the road. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, they aren't great on the road either. Golden State is awful. Yeah, Golden State's like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Catastrophically. Like, like, yeah, that's true. They're the worst team in the playoffs on the road. Yeah. Yes. Not the same. But yeah, teams just aren't great on the road. Like they use some teams no. just to be yeah, really there, good. Yeah, there's been a great home court advantage. And some of these buildings, the atmosphere has just been insane. Like to see what Madison Square Garden has been for some of these oh Knicks my games. Goodness, that's and they're amazing. hungry though. They haven't, yeah. I know, but I mean, we've seen it before in the old Madison Square Garden attitude was, oh, we'll be good. Like, oh, you better win or we're not, we don't care. And the Madison Square Garden crowd now seems either younger 
or just like they don't have that that mentality of we deserve to win. They but they're coming at it hyped. I think it's because they hadn't been there in a while. Now yeah. they they're like Texas fans. They're like, man, we took that stuff. We took those Mackeys <laughs> for granted. <laughs> yep. We go to a bowl game. We all going. We gotta, yep. we gotta make sure we get to this bowl game. We might not have another one. So I think they're grateful. And yeah, you got some some fan bases who haven't experienced success like the Sacramento's another one. Um, so I'm sure there's a rabid fan base too. All right, uh, so we'll get to some more NBA news notes nuggets before we get out of here because we'll get into uh, some predictions for the games coming up tonight. Uh, but coming up on the other side, Rod, around the day we go back to the NFL. Guys, the Texans tweeted out. They tweeted out like what what was supposed to be like a motivational quote. Oh my goodness! And honestly, it just brought me anxiety. And I I think it's them trying to cover up some of the the bad decisions, the ill advised moves that they've mm-hmm. made recently. But this quote, I gotta tell you, it was eerie. All right, and, and considering what they've gone through as a, and, and to me it just shows you they're not a, whoever whoever posted it, and it's not Nick Osario posting on Twitter, but they have a lack of awareness about uh, the recent history of this organization to post a quote like this. I will discuss it um, when we come back. We'll also get into a little Cowboys uh, conversation. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on One Hundred Four Nine Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. I grew up as a Love Your Blue Oilers fan, which just is a tragic, like heartbreaking, like fandom to be a part of. That's what I. Uh, exactly, right? It just was. And, and I, you know, obviously I'm not that old. I'm, you know, uh, in my early 40s. And, you know, I remember the, the comeback against Buffalo in the playoffs. Or, uh, sorry, the comeback against Houston in the playoffs by Buffalo, um, by Frank Reich, the backup quarterback. Still remember how heartbreaking and tragic that was. I remember when the next year, actually, the, the Oilers had a better team. People forget that it was a better team. Remember the Buddy Ryan defense, that uh, Kevin Gilbride offense, they were actually better the next year. And then here comes Joe Montana and Marcus Allen with the Kansas City Chiefs, knocked the Oilers out the playoffs that year. And I believe that's the year where uh, uh, I believe Buddy Ryan throws the the punch at Kevin Gilbride on the sideline. <laughs> just kind of add, yep. <laughs> yeah, just add, just add to the dysfunction of the Love Blue. But still, love your Blue fan. And then the Oilers leave. That's tragic. That's heartbreaking. And then you get the Texans. Then you get the Texans. <laughs> and there were there was so much optimism around the Texans, even though there's a lot of bad blood, you know, them moving the team and taking the uh, the trademark and then taking all the stats and taking uh, all the copyright stuff from the Oilers. That was tough, but the city got over it, built the new uh, stadium, and, of course, we get to use Houston, Texas. And in their inaugural season, they actually beat the Dallas Cowboys and made Jerry Jones cry. One of the... Four times. Me too. Yes. Made, exactly. me, made me cry too. <laughs> it was one of the few times, maybe it was five times Jerry Jones has said he's cried over a football game as owner of the Cowboys. And one of them, 
Houston Texans inaugural season, beating Jerry Jones, and he cried like a baby. Beautiful. It's beautiful thing. See, he started out pretty good, uh, but then everything down after that has pretty much been downhill. Uh, hell, the even the Deshaun Watson stuff was tragic. Remember, at one point, the Texans are up in the playoffs, 24 points on the Kansas City Chiefs. In the first quarter, for one for one moment and one moment only. Yeah, by halftime, the Chiefs were leading already. (laughs) Out of there, that is true. That's actually true. How about this? Of all the 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 double, if you look at it in the NFL in in the history of the NFL, and you look at comebacks uh, when teams were down at least twenty one points, twenty one points or more. Mm -hmm. I twenty one points or more in the playoffs. I believe the Texans are the only team to not only give up the lead and lose a game where they were up by 21-plus points in the playoffs, but they're the only team in NFL history that was losing by halftime already. Uh, (laughs) They're the only team in history that lost Uh, uh. but was losing already by halftime. So it was the blowout. How did you get blown out when you were up by 21 points? You were supposed to be the winner. You were supposed to be the blowout. Anyway, um, getting back to it. So the Texans have been a bit of a dumpster fire and a, a fuster cluck of a franchise recently. And with Nick Casario taking over and with D'Amico Ryans now as the new head coach, optimism is now brewing. But the Texans are doing as much as they, as po- they possibly can to try to kill and to try to squash all that optimism. And they put out a quote recently. Amidst all of the uncertainty about what they're going to do in the NFL draft, they put out a quote, and the quote was from their social media account. And and I, and I guess I don't know who put up the quote, but whoever put up the quote, it shows you they don't really have an awareness, right? Kind of a sense of the recent history of this organization mm-hmm. because it seemed a bit insensitive to the fans, and fans they just went after. Uh, the text and there was a ton of negative blowback on their social media about this quote and the media of course had a lot of fun with the uh, the lack of self-awareness when it came to this tweet from the text and so I'll read it to you here's the tweet it's supposed to be I think a motivational quote of some sort quote failure is not an option it's a necessity every misstep is a lesson learned every setback a chance to grow stronger embrace the struggle and become unstoppable. Now, I do get the, you know, the theme. I get the spirit of the quote. I understand that. But if you're paying attention to, and you're paying specific attention, right, to the recent history of the Texans, it would seem like the Texans are trying to justify their past, their recent mistakes. And they've made a lot of them. That have brought them to this point in time where they now have the number two overall pick when they were supposed to have the number one overall pick. Now, a recent report from Adam Schefter, he was on a podcast and he confirmed a report by Albert Breer that said the Texans were indeed close to getting the number one overall pick. They were actually really close to trading for the number one overall pick and getting it from the Bears, who obviously ended up trading it to the Carolina Panthers. They decided that whatever the price was, it was a little too steep for them, and they didn't want to pay the price. And I believe in the end, the Panthers gave up two first, two seconds, and a player. Was DJ Moore was the player? Yes. And I'm sure they got something to be saying, but for the most part, that was it. Now, keep in mind, the Texans do own the most draft capital 
over the next two drafts. Actually, I went and saw a recent um, draft breakdown that said if you take this year's draft and next year's draft, the Texans actually have the most draft capital by a sizable margin. Mm-hmm. You got two first next year and two first this year. So and, decided- and also remember that they were trying to move back one pick. Right. We got one pick move, and then they were going to trade that pick to the Carolina Panthers to move back again so the compensation is not exactly the same because you're talking about going from one to two and then two to nine. Wow. Yeah, exactly. There's and they would not be here. They wouldn't have had to even worry about any of this. This would even have been a conversation. This would have been some hypothetical thought experiment we would have had just to pass the time mm-hmm. if the Texans hadn't screwed up the tankathon. And guys, I went back to relive it because I'm a masochist. It just it's I went and watched it. I still have <laughs> that I still have that last game. Deeper. I went you back need to DVR it. and get it off of your DVR. I, I need to delete it because yeah. I'm just keeping painful memories up on yeah. my DVR like this. Guys, this is this is how painful it is. This, and this is why I think the Texans, we're going to put that quote up there, is just totally unaware of how the Texans got to this point of having the number two overall pick when they should have had the number one overall pick but lost the Tankathon. Guys, think about how they lost the Tankathon. People forget. Y'all must have forgot, as Roy Jones would say. Roy Jones? That last drive for the Texans. When they're down, I believe they're down 23 to 30, something like that. With last drive, I mean, they got a touchdown drive and they score a touchdown. And they also get a two-point conversion. On the last touchdown drive <laughs> that they had that would put them two points away or a two-point conversion away from winning the game, guys, let's not forget they converted a fourth and twelve. On that last drive, mm-hmm. and a fourth and twenty on that last drive, mm. a fourth and twenty. They converted a fourth and twelve and a fourth and twenty. Both extremely low conversion odds at every level of football. <laughs> Yet the football gods decided at that point the Angels would be with the Texans <laughs> and would guide them to converting a fourth and twelve and a fourth and twenty. Oh, by the way, they also converted a third and thirteen. Ugh. On the same drive, they converted a third and thirteen, a fourth and twelve, and a fourth and twenty. Guys, they haven't been able. This is the worst offense in the league. <laughs> and and when they needed to be at their worst, so that they could win the tankathon, they decided. I want to be at my best. Shine. They want to shine. <laughs> I want to be at my best. You wanted to shine then. What the hell? Yeah, Rod. They failed at failing. They failed at failing. And then, by the way, Hatrick, after they scored a touchdown, after converting third and 13, fourth and 12, and fourth and 20, the football gods gave them another chance to not screw it up because they had to convert a two point conversion. And they still converted the two point conversion. I got to tell you, at every step, they made the wrong move, including before the game when they fired the coach. But let him coach the last game. <laughs> the guy that used to be the coach for the Bears who got the number one overall pick. You couldn't write the irony of this ineptitude and dysfunction of the Texans. And somebody would dare tweet out when we're going through all of this stuff. Some, some jabroni social media director or whatever would tweet out, failure is not an option. It's a necessity. <laughs> Every misstep is a lesson learned. Every setback, a chance to grow stronger. Embrace the struggle and become unstoppable. Have you been paying attention 
Are you not paying attention to your own mm. team? That is mocking all of our pain. All of our pain is being mocked by the Texans. What? This is like OJ writing a book. If I did it, you are. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? You are a sick, twisted mofo to do that to people. They're oh going to tweet goodness. that out right before the draft when everybody thinks they're going to screw up this draft like they screwed up the other ones? <sighs> this is the perfect time for Patrick to cue the Titanic music because <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely sinking. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> and Nick, here's my last stat before we get out of here. <laughs> Nick Casario, which I like Nick Casario. I do. But it would seem that Nick Casario is running out of chances. If he screws up this draft, then I do think they need to move on from Nick Casario, too, even though I think he's drafted actually pretty well in the two drafts he's had. But D'Amico Ryan's being hired, that is a big part of it, and I, I, I was a big advocate for that hire, and I thought that was a home run move by Nick Casario. But I'll go back to this. Since 1970, Super Bowl era, there have been 31 and done NFL head coaches, 30 of them. That's a lot. That's probably too many. Um, the, the Texans... And the 49ers are the only two organizations to have basically back-to-back one-and-dones. Now, the 49ers were able to recover pretty damn well after back-to-back one-and-dones. They had back-to-back one-and-dones. Actually, they had three one-and-dones in a row. They had 76, 77, and 78. They had three one-and-dones in a row as an organization. Terrible time for the 49ers. And then they hired Bill Walsh in 1979. The rest is history. They also did the same thing in 2015 and 16 when they had Jim Tomsula and Chip Kelly back-to-back one-dones. And then they hired Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) So I'm hoping and praying that the only other organization to have back-to-back one-and-dones, which was the Houston Texans, 2021 David Gully, 2022 Lovey Smith, that they, like the San Francisco 49ers, will... Finally, see the error of their ways after back-to-back one-and-dones and hire a damn good coach. Now, Kyle Shanahan is no Bill Walsh, but I think we'd all take a Kyle Shanahan in H-Town if we could get it. As a matter of fact, oh, he was in H-Town. I was going to say, him, ding, 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 He ding, was in ding, H-Town, ding. along with Mike McDaniel was in H-Town, all right? <laughs> you had Mike Vrabel was in H-Town, too, at one point, all right? Y'all Lafleur, squad Matt deep Lafleur, right there. Matt LaFleur was in H-Town. Oh, you mean all those really great coaches were in H-Town at one point? Yeah, they were. <laughs> and then you overlooked them because you wanted to hire, I don't know who the hell they hired. Oh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, I was about to say. We're the Patriots of the South, Rod. Oh, that's right. I about that. <laughs> Another failure of an expert. If you don't know nothing about the South, don't come to the South. So Nick Because we are the South. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Osario is the first GM in the Super Bowl era, ladies and gentlemen, to be allowed to hire a third head coach after consecutive one-and-dones. Both of those 49ers GMs were fired. Joe Thomas was fired because Eddie DeBartolo Jr. fired him, and then uh, Trent Baalke was fired from the 49ers after that. So Nick Casario, the only GM in Super Bowl era to be allowed to hire a third head coach after consecutive one-and-dones. So I'm hoping, like the 49ers, they will hire a really good coach, and that is D'Amico Ryans. But I'll go back to the Warren Buffett quote to end it all. Invest in a business that only a fool can run Because one day, a fool will. Ding, ding, ding. That's the Texans. They are that business because the McNair family, right now, Cal McNair running that organization. Nothing against him as a person. I'm sure he's a great person, but he is not a competent Mm. NFL loner. Mm -mm. All right, that's my rant. We'll come right back off the record right here on Ball Don't Lie, 1491. 
Patrick's trying to tell me something. He thinks I was too riled up for Rod's round today, and now he wants me to calm down, <laughs> take some deep breaths, woosa. That's why he's playing We Are The World on top of the charts Tuesday. That's right? I, no, I think it's going to take the whole world to not have the Texans mess up this draft. <laughs> I, mean, I agree. It's coming from a former Texans fan. People forget, my man Patrick is a former Texans fan. He left the fandom. He, he basically disowned the organization, renounced his fandom yeah. because they were so inept. Yeah. And you were thinking about coming back. I saw because Jamaica, your Raiders and I'm fandom like, All right. was bad. Yeah, because everywhere else I've tried to go has not ended well. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll just come back and be a Texans fan. And then they just can't make it easy, can they? They you said, cannot. You said you would wait till after the draft. Yeah. You see why? <laughs> yeah. Very at the true. time, you're like, how Very could true. they mess it up? Great point. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to press you to come over because after the D'Amico Ryan's news, I was really excited. I was you like, were? come on over, man. No. It's going to be no. great over here. And yeah, a little anxiety. Okay, so you actually found – the Texans are having a draft day party. They're having a draft day party at the Miller Outdoor Stage, which I don't know okay. where that is in Houston. But I don't I'm know sure where that a, is. I'm sure don't it's sure. a nice enough place. This is the lineup, though. I think this may be a good sign. Okay, give me – I need some good mojo. Performances by Slim Thug. Oh, nice. Little oh. Kiki, zero. Little Kiki, too? And, and DJ Vanilla Trill. Wow. Well, okay. Be performances, uh, appearances by Paul Wall, Bun B, and a bunch of Texans players. You know what? Because they went strictly H-Town. We're like, hey, they we H-Town, H-Town. representing. Mark Wahlberg's not showing up or something like that. <laughs> Great. That's good. I'm happy about that. There you go. They knew the deal. They knew the assignment. <sighs> so I think that may be better. So that's, that's good news. Yeah. I, w- I, w- I would enjoy that. Uh, someone said that Joe number two said the whole damn thing gives me an ice cream headache, Rod. No, I agree. <laughs> Texas fans did not like that rant because it hit too close to home. No. Uh, so because said, they kept having flashbacks of everything you were saying. Yeah, it was like yes, I yeah. remember. What? I remember. Texas fan, it's a new regime and they're learning from their past. They're not living in that state of mind anymore. Try to do the same, fellas. Listen, I I would love not to live in that state of mind, but just last season they screwed up the tankathon. They just screwed that up. You can't mm-hmm. just automatically disregard what they <laughs> just did. And they had a chance to get the number one overall pick, and they screwed that up. Yeah. Again, after the Tankathon. They remember they could have traded up, and then they didn't want to give up the draft capital. So I'm, I'm just saying, I am a, I'm kind of, I got battered fan syndrome. I can't really believe in the Texans because so, I got trust issues. So I'll tell you, this is Welcome this is my world. This is the beginning, <laughs> and I bet I bet there's Cowboys fans that have the same kind of story. No, but there so is 100. percent So when I growing up. Being an Oilers fan, my parents are Oilers fans, and so there was a point when I was real little, and I go and my like I'm getting babysat by someone in my family, and me and my brother are getting into a fight, and he takes something to mind, and I just lay into him with a bunch of expletives, <laughs> and just call him every name that you that know like five year old should in know in front of parents. In front of like my adults, my, my grandma or my oh. great aunt or whoever it was heard, and it was just me railing off every cuss word <laughs> and everything. I'm like five. Where'd you learn that? And, they come, and, my, and she yeah, comes in. Exactly. She goes. She goes. What? She said, what are you saying? And I was like, Oh, and she's like, He took my thing. And they go. Do you even know what that means? And I go, Yeah, it means the Oilers are losing. <laughs> 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 <That was great. laughs> 
So that's what my that's my fandom. I love. Maybe it. I don't have some trust issues with this Houston franchise. That is fantastic. I love that. What does all I that mean? That. It means the, the Oilers are losing. Are losing. <laughs> Every time they lose, yeah. Dad goes off. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, welcome to being a Cowboy fan. <laughs> that is that is a fantastic story, Patrick. That I'm glad. I'm glad you, that, our, that misery of uh, our shared misery and yeah. shared trauma of being an Oilers fan can bring us all yeah, show together. Some, bring some joy, us some joy in there. I yeah. love that. That's great. That is great. All right. Uh, thanks, my man, Patrick, for actually putting a positive spit on things. But uh, sorry about the Texans rant. I had to get that off my chest, guys. Uh, I will try to be more positive about the Texans. Hopefully this draft coming up on Thursday will give me reasons to. We're going to be out and about. We'll give us more details about that coming up. And uh, let you know, we're actually going to we're gonna video, we're going to record our reactions to the, to the number one overall pick, to the Texans pick, and to the Cowboys pick. And I want to do it to Bijan, but we don't know where Bijan's going to go. We'll talk about that on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049 Horn. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Oh, anytime you can play Prince, it's a beautiful thing. Top of the charts Tuesday when my man Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Uh, this has been a really good top of the charts Tuesday. Jackson 5, got some Prince. You had We Are The World, which is everybody. Everybody. Everybody in We Are The World. Everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. My man Patrick doing a great job with the top of the charts Tuesday. All right, before we get out of here, got about seven minutes or so before we got to get out of here. And we'll give you up to Texas baseball. Craig Wade, the voice of the Longhorns on the call. Who's uh, who's calling the game with crazy? Roger Wallace? No, it's Tom Barfield. Tom, Tom Barfield. Barfield. All right. right, there you go. Right. Tom Barfield calling the one man Craig today. We will get tomorrow. We'll get into some Bijan sound tomorrow. We kind of ran out of time to get into it. He was on NFL Live, so we'll have that NFL Live sound for you. And also, I'll have uh, some more uh, like Cowboys draft takes. Basically, coming up with the kind of trends over the for the Cowboys over the last few years that may foreshadow what they're going to do in this upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Cowboys, uh, Patrick has some audio. Uh, of uh, Jerry Jones and my audio that Hard was referencing earlier in the show. So um, basically, they're I think they're ending the press conference actually. It's on their pre-draft press conference, and I believe this is Jerry Jones just joking. I'm assuming this is just him just joking, playing around, having some fun. Mike McCarthy's a little hurt by it. You can tell. You see the. You see yeah. the video. You I saw, saw Stephen. I see. Stephen had to be like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's really quick audio. We'll we'll discuss it on the other side. But here is Jerry Jones taking a pretty funny shot. I thought at Mike McCarthy. Drafting's not our problem. Coaching is. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you see Mike McCarthy's face, everybody's been in this situation where one of your close friends or somebody that obviously a loved one of yours, they know you really well and they make a joke. And they're obviously, it's in hyperbole, they're joking, it's in jest. But it hits real close. Like it hits mm-hmm. home because it's something that you're insecure about, something you've thought about, maybe. And for Mike McCarthy, we've been talking all offseason that his job is on the line this year. If he doesn't yep. get past the division around, Dan Quinn is basically the de facto coach in waiting, um, that he hasn't done enough. All these types. That's why he's taking over the play calling duties, right? Yep. There's no more excuses for Mike McCarthy. And then Jerry, his boss, Jerry Jones, makes a joke about his job security. It's fantastic. And so it reminds me of you something you're insecure about, somebody jokes 
about it. Everybody laughs, but internally you laugh, you laugh out, no, but internally you're, you're like, a little hurt by that. You're like, you're crying inside. Like, you're Damn like, it. Why, why, why you go there, man? Talking about my culture, why, man. Why, why, why you, I'm just trying to that's, get it done. That's how you go game. down, you sit down to dinner with the family, and then, <laughs> yeah. How was, how was today? I guess it was okay. Uh, <laughs> I know it, it wasn't because I watched the press conference, honey. Yeah. I saw the press conference. Don't I, tell us. It was just, you can tell he was dope because Jerry laughs it, it almost initially. As soon as he makes a joke, he's like, ha ha. He hits, yeah. Mike, he hits Mike McCarthy real quick. Back. Like, I know, I know. I know what I just said. Don't worry. <laughs> he like taps him like, ha, that was funny, wasn't it, Mike? Oh, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I, I do too. Hey, remember remember when we said it. that about Kellen Moore and we, you had me fire my boy? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do know Jerry loved him from Kellen Moore now. Yep. He did love him from Kellen it's Moore. It's only on you now, Mike. Go ahead <laughs> out there and do it, man. We're going to get all the groceries for you. We're going to help you get them groceries. I mean, the only thing that's bad for Mike McCarthy right now is that the expectations are really high. He's got to get past the divisional round. And I think he's good. He's yep, passed yep. the division around. I don't, he doesn't have, have to make a Super Bowl. I think they will. They deem success as we got to get past the divisional round. We haven't gotten past the divisional round in forever. We need somebody to break through. And if Mike McCarthy breaks through, I think he's safe. Yeah, he I mean, an extension. Yeah. It, it is always, though, how painful that loss is. Nah, that's true. Can't because, be yeah, because if you get embarrassed or you make some really bad play calling, like if you have a loss where you don't, Manage the game clock right for Mike McCarthy in year three, four. You you miss up that how you did in year one. Then people are going to start to go. Oh no, no, you're just the bad coach. Like the team did it. Everything else is fine. You just didn't do it. Now nah, you're right. You can't be exposed. I don't think Mike McCarthy will be exposed to that extent. But you're right. That can easily happen. The Cowboys. Yeah. Should, she should not be embarrassed like that at that level. But that can that can end up happening too. It can all change quickly. Uh, speaking of the Cowboys, and maybe this is Jerry Jones learning from past mistakes. This is what we all hope the Texans are doing because they've made a ton of them. Uh, hopefully, the Cowboys are doing it too. Jerry Jones recently admitted, guys, that basically the Zeke draft pick was too high. Fine, it took a while for him to admit they drafted Zeke a little too high. It comes from Mark Lane. Says Jerry Jones said the Zeke Elliott still is an outstanding football player. Um, and, you know, he's very complimentary of Zeke because he really likes Zeke. Um, but he did basically admit in that press conference that he's still an outstanding player. But he said that uh, <clears throat> he said if they had the right guy at the right position in this draft at running back, they would certainly look at it. Um, but basically said drafting Zeke, paraphrasing for force, uh, might have been a little too high to draft a running back that high. And I think he's probably talking about now drafting a running back that high now. But even then, I think Jalen Ramsey probably was the pick most people were thinking they'd get um, with that number four overall pick drafting Zeke. Um, even now, he said Zeke was picked too high for us. Um, I think now with Bijan, that's why the Bijan pick is so intriguing. 26 is the perfect spot for running back. Now, he won't fall there, but you can justify trading up in the top 15 for a Bijan if you really want him. Cowboys won't do it. Yep. They can, won't do it. Can we can we honestly say that it was a mistake? The problem was contract number two was the mistake. What Zeke gave you was outstanding. He did a lot of great work. He played the, the game the way it was supposed to be played. You giving him the money is the bigger problem. That is the problem that I have with it. I thought what he did at, at that pick was outstanding. He played quality football. Maybe it was because of some of the stuff he was doing off the field that kind of took away from what he was doing on the field. But if you go up and you put his numbers up against anybody early in his career, he was he was ideal at the running back position. I think the problem was you paid him too early and not cut it off. It goes back to what we were talking about before. You look at what Bijan was able to do or what Bijan did in college, and you have an opportunity to go get him. You go get him. That's a good point. And, I, and I, I'll say this: this is devil's advocate. 
remember at the time, they don't think it's going to be Zeke and Dak. They think they're getting Zeke for the end of the Tony, Tony Romo, Romo regime. Thing. That's right. Basically, they had built that offensive line because Tony Romo was fragile. They want you to protect Romo. The way you protect Romo, get him a good running game with the best O-line in the league. At the time, it was the best O-line yeah, in the league. And it was the perfect pick for that number. Yeah, so I, at the time, they're thinking, Zeke's the final piece exactly. to us making a championship it's run. It's the second amount of money yeah. that you gave him that was wrong. Yeah, and I'm a Romosexual, so I loved Mr. Romo, and yeah. I did like that pick at the time, but turned out uh, it, it blew up in their face a little bit. But you're right. They compounded. At that mistake by making another one. Yep. What's on tap for you tonight? I'm gonna go home and watch this basketball game. Gonna w- listen to my man Craig Way and Tom yeah, Barfield. Yeah, Texas right. baseball gonna rebound tonight. Uh, what's on tap for you, Patrick? More basketball. Basketball tonight and Texas baseball, of course. Coming up next, Craig Way on the call, the voice of the Longhorns. And you said that uh, Tom Barfield on the call. Tom well? Barfield, the man, hard. He's always in the know. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but one poorly, take care of each other. Peace.